again, everybody. Welcome to Michael's Record Collection, where we talk about great music with the people who make it and the people who love it. This is episode number 89. I'm your host, Michael Citro. We have a theme this week. We're talking about our favorite morning wake-up songs. I enlisted the help of Dave Zalatoris from the very popular Beer in Front podcast and John Lamoureux from the Hustle podcast, a very fine music-related podcast. And the three of us came in with our top five songs for waking up in the morning. We had very different approaches to this. It was a lot of fun with this discussion. I want to apologize for my voice because I've come down with some kind of super flu and it's really kicking my tail. So I apologize for this coming out a little later than normal, but it couldn't be helped because I could barely stay awake most of the last two days. Before we get to our chat about our top morning wake-up songs, I want to remind everybody they can go to my website, michaelsrecordcollection.com, and there are links to everything there. My social medias, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and at Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. There's also a link there to my free newsletter. You can sign up, get it in your mailbox every week. And there's a link to my Patreon where you can discover the different levels of support. And you can do that for as little as $2 per month. I had a really good time with Dave and John. I hope you will enjoy this. And, and you know, give me some feedback. Write to me at michaelsrecordcollection at gmail.com. Tell me your favorite morning wake-up songs. And let me know if you like these themed type of shows. All right, episode 89. Big thanks to John Lamoureux and Dave Zalatoris. Here we go. Hello again, everybody. Time once again for Michael's Record Collection. And I'm very happy to have with me a couple of guys who love music and talk about it quite often. I'm here with Dave Zalatoris from the Beer in Front podcast. Big music lover. He's been on a lot of music shows. And John Lamro, who's the host of his own music podcast, The Hustle Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, we're here today to talk about our favorite wake-up songs, our morning wake-up songs. And and whatever that means to you could be completely different than what it means to everybody else. But uh, sort of the songs that get you moving, get you eased into the day, whatever it is to, to help you wake up and shake off sleep and, and start your day. That's kind of what we're, we're here about. I've been thinking about this uh, topic for a long time, so I'm excited to tackle this. But before we get to that, I want to ask the thing that I always ask my guests. I'll start with you, Dave. What was your first favorite record? My first favorite record was probably the first album I bought with my own money. I don't know if it was allowance or whatever, but it was uh, ELO's A New World Record. I Mm. still have it on CD. That's probably the first one that I loved. Okay, great. John, your, your first favorite record? Wow. Well, um, there's the first ones I bought and the first ones I got, but the first one that I remember being truly kind of obsessed with, you guys are going to laugh, is uh, David Bowie's Tonight album with uh, Blue Jean on it. I had it on cassette and um, I'm a big Bowie fan and I was back then too. I was like, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And uh, I just thought loving the alien and everything on that album was the greatest thing I'd ever heard. I know now that it's not considered one of his better albums, but it's a sentimental favorite for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think I think a lot of us have soft spots for that first album by an artist that we owned. And and even though it may not be widely considered their best, 
um, you know, it, it has a special resonance for us. Like I, I did, um, I did the records revisited podcast and we did Boston's don't look back because that was my first Boston album. Everybody I knew had the first one. So I bought the second one. Uh (laughs) And so it was always my favorite. Yeah. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about your podcast. Dave's a little bit different because yours is, is beer themed. And, and I think your, your sort of, I wouldn't, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but sort of your theme of your show is that the, you know, anybody could be a craft beer snob, but you, you like to celebrate the beer that's in front of you at that moment. Yes. You know, sometimes, yeah, the beer in front of you is the best one yet. You don't have to go out and get the latest trendy barrel aged stout that people are waiting up, you know, waiting in a line on black Friday to get (laughs) while those are great beers and I love them and I drink them, you know, sometimes just your Samuel Adams, it's a great beer. So I try to like talk about beers that maybe people forget about while they're chasing all these new exotic ones. Yeah. What, what made you start a podcast about it? Was it, how long have you been doing it and, and what got you going? Up until the time I started, which was right before the pandemic, a couple weeks before. So late February, 2020, I hated podcasts. My <laughs> wife would try to get me to listen to them. I'm like, no. And I don't know why I'm like, well, you know, I could talk about beer. I wanted something to do to like express myself, to do something create, you know, creatively. And I'm like, well, I could talk about beer and, you know, I'll go to breweries. I'll do all this, blah, blah, blah. And then the pandemic hit and you couldn't go anywhere. So you just kind of had to pivot, but I'm like, well, this will be something to do. And, you know, then as every podcast realize, you know, podcaster realizes you can't fill 30 minutes easily. I mean, I thought, oh, I could talk 30 minutes standing on my head. And then you like, you realize and you hit stop and it's like, well, I've got four minutes. Like, now what do I do? Right. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, you have been on a lot of music podcasts. I know you've, you've talked music on your show as well. What is it about you that that gets you these invitations? I know, I know you're very um, outgoing, very personable on social media. You you follow a lot of music um, podcasters and and a lot of bands, and you talk about music online. What what was it that started this trend for you? You know, it's something that I've always loved. As a small child, I grew up. My mother would always play Motown, Stax as well as, you know, the top 40 hits of, you know, the mid seventies, but Mm -hmm. I've just always loved music. Music's always been in my house. I remember her letting me, I was a teenager camping out overnight to get concert tickets. So I would like be outside the stadium to get Springsteen tickets as a 15 year old and Elton John tickets. It's just, I've always loved music. I've always loved going to shows listening to the new latest record Mm -hmm. and john you have uh, the hustle podcast this is a kind of a you get great guests you have a great show that that you like to talk to legacy artists and kind of catch up with them and and find out what they're up to and and tell sort of the 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 stories behind especially artists that should be better known in this country what drove you to start that podcast well um i had been I had started getting obsessed with the idea or the question, I should say, how do people, how do uh, rock stars make a living? How do they pay their bills? If you 
had a hit in 1984. How are you? How do you still do that today? And then I started thinking, how does anyone do it? How did the you know if you were a band that you got to you only ever put out one major label album, or you you were on Johnny Carson or Letterman once, or something like that? You had a moment where your whole life, all your dreams, went into this one piece of of history, this album, this record that meant all your hopes and dreams are in this thing and it doesn't go anywhere. What do you do when you wake up the next day and you realize, well, I guess I'm not going to be a rock star. What do you do after that? And that question really was just gnawing at me for years. And I thought, how do you, how am I, how would I ever ask this question? How am I going to find out? And so I thought about starting a blog, but that didn't, Blogs don't really happen anymore. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll start a podcast. And But I don't know anything about editing or production and technology gives me anxiety. What am I going to do? And uh, I live in Denver. No one's going to come through here or come to my studio or whatever. My wife's not going to support me like investing thousands of dollars in all this production gear that I'm not going to, I want to be too overwhelmed to know how to use anyway. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just started slow and I started with the idea of asking that question and reaching out to bands that I believed, you know, deserved more of a, of a chance, but it grew. And so ever since we've kind of over the almost eight years now that we've been going, it's evolved. And now that we do still talk to those kinds of artists, but where they used to be a hundred percent of who we talk to now, it's more like 20% of who we talk to, you mm-hmm. know, cause thankfully I've been able to get good, good guests. Yeah. You had, um, one, I, I think maybe the only time I've been jealous of somebody getting a guest is when you had Steve Lillywhite on your show. Uh, that was, that, that was, that's one of the high points of this entire eight year run. And I will say I, I quick, uh, kind of spoiler. I interviewed one of my other favorite producers this morning, Steve Lipson. Okay. And, um, it was almost as good as the Steve Lillywhite one. Okay. And so it's just, it's so fun to talk to especially like producers or session musicians, because you can just go right down their resume. What was it like when you played with this guy or you produced that guy or you engineered this thing? Mm-hmm. And uh, the stories they tell are just gold. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can both be found on all the major podcast apps. So check them out. We'll give out all their contact information, the social media information at the end. But we're here to talk about our favorite morning songs, our morning wake up songs. This is something that came to me and, and I know a lot of people have ideas in the shower. I don't normally have them in the morning shower, but this is one that I actually had in the shower. So uh-huh. uh, I had everybody uh, compile a list of five favorite morning wake-up songs. We're going to talk about each one. We're going to count them down, and we're going to we're going to sort of uh, I guess compare our list. We're not really voting on anything or anything like that. It's not a contest, but um, hopefully we are celebrating these songs. And if people aren't aware of some of them, hopefully they'll go and check them out and enjoy them as much as we did. So uh, we're going to start with our number fives. And if you didn't rank them, that's fine. Just just give me your fifth one, uh, however order you want to do it in. And we'll start with Dave. Dave, give us your number five song. My number five song was from 2015's Positive Songs for Negative People, the song Get Better by Frank Turner. I got me a shovel. I've got no 
just love the song from the first time I heard the single or saw the video when it came out. It's just the drum beat from the beginning, the lyrics, everything to me just makes me just want, all right, let's get up. Let's do this. Yeah. That was a song that it's his sixth studio album. It wasn't a single, but it's a positive song, just like the, the title of the track. It's uh, or the title of the album. It's, it's kind of loud, kind of in your face. And it's what I love about it is the message and that it, we're not dead yet. So we can get better. Yes. John, what do yeah. you think? Did you know that song before this? No, I didn't. And it was, uh, in fact, of all the songs we all picked, that's one of the few that I didn't know or didn't Same know here. well. And, uh, I loved it. And it's funny. One thing that's really interesting about this experiment, Michael, is that we all have different ideas of what gets us going in the morning. Yeah. And, um, like when we get to my picks, I tried to pick some, I tried to pick things that kind of went on a spectrum, but I just thought some people need that like immediate jolt of address of adrenaline first thing in the morning. And, uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily that kind of a person, mm -hmm. but if I was this Frank Turner song would be perfect, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many ways you can, I mean, there's lazy Sunday morning. You might want something gentle or whatever, or, yeah. Or you're, you know, you didn't get your eight hours in, so you need something to to kind of slap you in the face in the morning. Yeah. What is it about this song that helps you get going in the morning? It's <clears throat> like to me, like you know, some people don't need caffeine. This is like my little shot of espresso. Mm -hmm. It just gets the heart pumping. Yeah. Everything about it, like I said, just the beat right off this top, you know, from the opening lyric, you know, I've got me a shovel, and then you hear the drum beat going right on it just like gets you going. It makes me just want to like jump up. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Frank Turner, get better. John, you're number five, please. So as I mentioned, I went, I tried to pick five songs that sort of crossed across, went across a, a spectrum of what we like or need in the morning, the kind of, uh, they fit different occasions. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, I will admit when you said this, my mind started going to some of the low hanging fruit and I thought, well, I'll start there. And then we'll see what else kind of inspires me. And one of the first things that came to mind was Cat Stevens' um, Morning Has Broken. Morning has broken Like the first morning Blackbird Spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for them springing fresh from the world. And the reason I, first of all, I think it's a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. And I thought this song, if we're talking about situations that call for the, my picks, some people like to start off their mornings <clears throat> with a prayer. And uh, maybe they're religious, maybe they're you know faithful of some kind of Muslim or they're Christian or whatever. Mm -hmm. They meditate, whatever it might be. And I thought this is the song for those people because it was originally a hymn. It's mm -hmm. him you know, redoing a hymn. And so I thought, for some people, that's the way they like to wake up is very prayerful, very, 
you know, cerebrally, very plaintively or thoughtfully to kind of inspire them and get the morning going and, and kick it off that way. This is the song for them. Plus Cat Stevens is beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I got to see, uh, uh, Rick Wakeman's one man show. Not too long ago. It's probably, well, I guess it was the early two thousands. And he famously told the story of playing the piano intro and, and playing on this track. And uh, I don't think I knew that Rick Wakeman yeah. is the piano player on this. Rick Wakeman. He was That's not, even cooler. Wow. He was not credited originally. And he was supposed to be paid 10 pounds for this. <laughs> and he was originally not paid. And so he famously tells that story in his, his grumpy old uh, man um, uh, touring show. And I guess since then, Cat Stevens has said that that was, uh, or Yusuf, as he's now uh, known, yeah. has, has fixed that. Said it was a a problem with the the record company, or, or just a misunderstanding. Mm. So uh, apparently, he has been paid. Uh, although I think he's still, it's a better story if he still tells people that he hasn't been paid for it. Sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> wow, yeah. maybe the whole world knew that, but me, but I didn't yeah. know that. So thank yeah. you, Michael. That's awesome yeah. trivia. Yeah, this is a great song. It's off of the teaser and the Firecat album from 1971. He, you mentioned it was a hymn, and he had he had to add about three minutes to this. It's about a forty five second sing if you just sing it uh, straight through. So it went uh, to number nine on the UK singles charts, number number six on the Billboard Hot One Hundred, which tied for his highest charting single. So uh, you know it, it did very well for him and kind of kind of got him a lot of recognition in this country. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a song that you were pretty familiar with? I imagine so, Dave. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, everything from that era, I mean, Cat Stevens was just, he still is. He's still a yeah. great artist. Yeah. You know, that's a beautiful song. Now I'm a big fan of that song. And I think I knew about the Wakeman thing because hmm. like a year or so ago, I did a show about 1971 and like going over different things and doing research. I'm like, wait, Rick Wakeman was on this. He was on this. I'm like, he was on so many songs and just played as a session a session wow. musician on so many songs that came out in 71 it was just crazy you know i just realized wasn't 71 the same year as david bowie's hunky dory album because wakeman yeah. plays life on mars on that too i, I if it's not it's close so yeah. yeah you're talking dave about the session work that he did i had no idea life on mars morning is broken that's incredible yeah, and then he was doing, you know, work with Yes and everyone else. Of course, I mean, all that he, stuff. Yeah, he was everywhere in 71. I don't know. I, I'd have to go back on my notes, and I'm on my second beer, but I think he did, <laughs> I think he did like, a track on Sticky Fingers as well. Mm. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, if you got to go get yourself a keyboard player, there's a lot worse you can do. Yeah. So, yeah, just to... Yes, Hunky Dory is 71. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just had to Great. confirm it. Anyway. That was also the year that both Fragile and the Yes album came out. So what a year for Rick. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I'm interrupting here to note that your humble host forgot that Tony K was the keyboard player on the Yes album, but Rick Wakeman was the keyboard player on Fragile. Now back to our show. So Cat Stevens, Morning is Broken. Do you call do you call him do you call him Cat or do you call him Yusuf now? When I, it, it's situational. If I were listening to one of his latter day albums, I'd call him Yusuf. Yeah. You know, if I, but to me, he's still cat and that's yeah. not a knock on his religion in any way, but the, the core, the songs that really made him who he was, who he is yeah. for when he was cat. Yeah. All right. So we're, uh, we're at my number five and, and this is a song that is 
it's just a a peppy song that means god knows what it's the sidewinder sleeps tonight by rem off automatic for the people Came out in 1992, R.E.M.'s eighth studio album. This was the third single from the album. Came out February 1st, 1993. It reached number 28 on the U.S. mainstream rock chart, number 24 on the alternative airplay chart, number 17 on the U.K. singles chart. It went to number one in Iceland and was that country's number three song of 1993 on their year-end chart. So it was a pretty big deal. But REM doesn't rate this song very highly. And if if Wikipedia is to be believed or, or set list, they've never played it live, mm. even though it was a hit. And that's that's crazy to me because to me, this is a fantastic song. It's um the lyrics are very difficult to discern, and and once you even have them written down in front of you. There's no real story here. And uh, I think it was Mike Mills who actually said that he couldn't tell you what it was about really specifically, but um, it's just a hodgepodge of lyrics. I love the way um, Michael Stipe laughs in the chorus as he had trouble pronouncing Dr. Seuss. He, he sort of pronounced it Dr. Zeus when he was a kid and that kind of stuck with him. So he was singing it that way and it made him laugh and they kept that take. And, and I think that makes it very charming. And it's just a great bouncy morning song. So it kind of wakes me up and gets me going. Any hmm. thoughts, guys? <laughs> I mean, I love every song off that record, Automatic for the People. That is a great song. When you mentioned, like, you read that they never performed it live, I had to think, because I'm like, did I hear this live or not? Hmm. But no, I don't remember if I did. But yeah, no, it's a great track. I love that. Uh, one of the B-sides off of that record when they did The Lion Sleeps Tonight, mm. which is one of my favorite covers that they do. No, great track. Yeah. John, are you a, an REM guy? I'm a huge REM guy. And um, uh, I don't want to dump all over your parade. I, <laughs> I, uh, I think the song is kind of fun. You know, um, I like it. If it came on the radio, I'd listen to it for sure. It wouldn't necessarily have, it wouldn't be a morning thing for me. Um, in fact, I, you're not going to invite me back on your show ever, Michael, after <laughs> I say this, but it's uh, that to me is one of the songs that keeps Automatic for the People from being a perfect record because that song sounds to me like kind of a tossed off gimmicky novelty thing. And their REM's quality control sense prior to that had been so in tune. I've always wondered why it was even there. Like this album is, is exceptional. And you don't necessarily need this weird little oddity as fun as it is to, it doesn't make it better. So um, 
but I mean, now we're just mostly talking about REM and the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fun little song. Um, I don't know that it would have any effect on me in the morning, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't mind it. You know? Yeah, I see where you can. I, I see where you would think that, and I I could understand that. It's um, it's totally different, and I think that's kind of why one of the things I like about it is it it keeps automatic for the people from being overly depressing. Mm, it's a it's a okay. moment of light in an otherwise pretty dark album. I mean, it's it is my favorite REM album, and it contains yeah. my favorite REM song, which is "Find the River." Um, Ooh, it's it's uh, my second favorite REM album. It's 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 a brilliant album, and and while I would not say this is my favorite REM song, it is a, a song that if I cranked it up in the morning on in the car on the drive to work, and I hear Michael Stipe going, dee, 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 <laughs> it would that's true. Good it, point. It help get me going. So yeah, nice job um, hitting that high note with the coffee. Yeah, that is great, there. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week, guys. Yeah. Um, so let's get to our number four track. Dave, what do you got at number four? I have superstition from Stevie Wonder off his 1972 talking book. think from the moment i've heard it i don't care where you are what you're doing superstition comes on the radio or your streaming device or your record player you're turning it up it's mm-hmm. just a great song that it was like they were he was jamming with jeff beck while they were recording this and you know jeff beck didn't get any like writing credit or didn't play on it but you could kind of have that little vibe that, you know, he was somehow a small part of this, but it's just a great song from a great period in Stevie wonders life. I just love this song. Yeah. He, um, this came out, like you mentioned, talking book, 1972, his 15th studio album at the time, uh, Jeff Beck reportedly came up with the drum beat intro for that song. Um, really? Yeah, and 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 apparently he was, I don't know if he was doing it with his hands or something, but Stevie started jamming over top of. They said keep keep doing that, and he started jamming over top of that, and that's kind of how they built the the bones of the song. Classic, obviously. What is it that wakes you up about this song? Just the uh, the beat, the, uh, the is it is it the lyrics? Is it the way it's sung? I think it's a little of everything. I love the horn section in that. Just that horn riff in the middle. Stevie's voice that how it developed in this period where it went from little Stevie wonder, where he's singing fingertips to this gruff sound that he had like during this era with, you know, living for the city superstition, other great songs. This to me was like, 
I don't know, the the best little era of Stevie Wonder. Just I love his vocals. Yeah, the beat gets you going. Just everything about this song was just like perfection. Yeah. John, how does Stevie fit into your your um musical listening? I know he's he may be a little before your time, maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, I was born in 73, but um I am a huge Stevie fan. I this is what album two in that string of I think five perfect albums in a row. Yeah. Music for my mind, talking book, inner visions, fulfilling this first finale, and then uh the orange one. Songs in the key of life. Mm-hmm. And then there's Secret Life of Plants, but then it goes back up to Hot as July or Hotter Than July or whatever. But anyway, I mean, yeah, it's one of the greatest songs ever by one of the greatest artists ever off one of the greatest albums ever. I had never thought of it as a morning song. This is one of those that's probably um, to each their own. Mm-hmm. But, when you know, it's interesting, Dave. You just mentioned those horns. And uh, of, of course, I know the horns are there. But when you said that, I thought, that I can see. I could see... This coming on like my clock radio or whatever when I'm getting up for school and I'm laying there thinking, do I really want to get up? And as soon as those horns hit that riff, I'm awake. You know, not only am I awake, I'm happy to be alive, you know, because that's what Stevie will do to you. Yeah, for sure. This song was the first single off the album, came out in October of 72 as a single, reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in January of 73. And it was his first number one single since Fingertips Part 2. In 1963, uh, it's in the top 100 of Rolling Stone's 500 greatest songs of all time, and it got all the way up to number 12 on their latest iteration after being in, in the 70s on their mm. previous two iterations of that. So it's a big jump. And um, Jeff Beck actually later released his version of the song on the Beck Bogart and the Peace album. Mm. So Stevie Wonder, Superstition. Great pick, Dave. Appreciate it. John, we're on your number four. All right. So the next one, I, 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 um, I sort of have not only a spectrum of moods, but a spectrum of like, we're going from softest to hardest, probably my second pick is going to be breakfast in bed by UB 40 with Chrissy Hind. I'm picking this is because this to me, first of all, it to me, it's about a song about people having an affair and they are, you know, kind of stealing away from their partners, having a little tryst. Maybe it's, you know, it's the next morning. They should feel guilty, but they don't, they feel, oh, I'm so grateful that I have you and I'm grateful we have each other. And, uh, the whole, re- let's just leave out the rest of the world for this, 
for a while and, and indulge and enjoy each other. Let me make you some breakfast in bed. And the way Chrissy and Allie Campbell sing this to each other, I just feel is really heartfelt. Not that I, I don't know. I'm not projecting on all of you. I don't know what it's like to have an extramarital affair and wake up in <laughs> the arms of another woman that I'm you know not feeling very guilty about. But I can imagine it. And this is a song that I think really kind of fits that mood, a different side of it. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a salacious, sinful, guilty, you know, bad thing. It's more mm -hmm. of a beauty thing. Aren't we lucky to have each other? Do you know anything really much about Chrissy and Allie? Uh, I mean, like together? No, yeah. I don't know if they were a couple or anything, but they sound good together when they sing these songs. The reason I ask is because I, I was mentioned to you guys before we started recording is I saw the video for this song and those two have amazing chemistry together in that video. Wow. Yes. I recommend you go and check that out. Uh, Dave, were you aware of this song? Is this something that was on your radar? Yes. I'm a huge, I was a UB 40 fan, not a big fan, but you know, their heyday, you were familiar with them. You heard their tracks on the radio, but I'm a huge Chrissy Hine fan. Mm -hmm. Like if I ever won the lottery, I would just have Chrissy read me the phone book every day. <laughs> I could listen to her sing anything and I will listen to it. So no, I was, you know, I didn't know about this song. It wasn't something I consciously played up until, you know, I saw your list the other day, John, but no, it is a great song. Yeah. This came off of the self-titled UB40 album in 1988, their eighth studio album. Uh, Chrissy Hine, obviously, the incomparable Chrissy Hine on lead vocals, co-lead vocals. It was written by the Muscle Shoals writers, Eddie Hinton and Donnie Fritz, originally for Dusty Springfield. Mm -hmm. um, another amazing uh, vocalist, right. obviously. Um, great pick, John. Thank you. One that I wasn't, I have to admit, I'm, I never dove deeply into the UB40 catalog or, or even shallowly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a nice discovery for me. I appreciate if it. If you ever need help, Michael, I'm here because I have every UB40 album. Um, <laughs> I I've love not. them more than most people. <laughs> and I, I get it, but I love them. I'll bet, I'll bet you do. I'm not, yeah. I got a pretty nice collection there. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to my number four. And my number four is when you want to start the day, I mean, Lyrically, this is a great way to start the day. Rushes the spirit of radio from Permanent Waves, 1980, their seventh studio album. guitar riff to start this by Alex Lifeson was meant to mimic radio static. And what immediately grabs your attention is that riff. And then that, that upbeat 
opening verse, begin the day with a friendly voice, a companion unobtrusive, plays that song that's so elusive and the magic music makes your morning mood. That's just perfect for waking up in the morning. I happen to be a huge Rush fan. So uh, obviously I was going to have a a Rush song on here if if there was one in the neighborhood and that certainly fits. But this was the first single from the album, came out in February 1980. It was a song inspired by the slogan from Toronto radio station CFNY-FM. It went to number 51 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is way too low. And number 13 on the UK singles chart. Uh, it was named one of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. And it was inducted into the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. And I just love, this is one of my favorite Rush songs. I love it wholeheartedly. Thoughts, guys? Uh, big fan of the song. You know, one likes to believe in the freedom of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, great song, great album, that era, you know, the early 80s. That was just a great era in Rush. The one, th- it, I, lo- I really, really like that song, but just the ending, the salesman part is always have been like nails on a chalkboard for me <laughs> that while I won't, you know, skip it, when that part comes towards the end, I might fast forward to the next track. Okay. John, are you a, are you a rush guy? I am. Yeah. I'm, I feel like though, I'm not allowed to say I'm a rush fan because rush fans are super passionate and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not there, but I consider myself a fan, you know? Um, I, it's funny. I hadn't thought of this song hadn't crossed my mind. I mean, I've heard it a million times. I love it, mm-hmm. but until I dissected the words and I thought this is the perfect song. It's so interesting to me that the band is writing. They want to write a song about waking up in the morning and be, hearing that perfect song on the radio to start your day. And they did it by writing the perfect song to hear on the radio to start <laughs> your day. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's just good for them. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I I'm huge fan of the song, obviously a huge fan of rush. And I, you know, People who listen to this show or have, have been around me know that my absolute favorite band is Genesis. Spoiler alert, did not make my list, but I, uh, you know, this one was one of the ones that was kind of, I don't know, it wasn't in my first wave of, of songs that came to mind, but as I whittled down my list, this one was like, yeah, this one's got to be in there. Real quick, favorite Rush album. My favorite Rush album is Signals, and that may also go back to what you were saying earlier, the first one that you purchased. Uh, I got the cassette of Signals uh, and Moving Pictures at the same time from the BMG Music Club. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I still owe them money. Which is weird. Yeah, I'm sure we all do. <laughs> um, it's so it, I, What you just said, Michael, I agree. I am of the belief that for most... In most cases, our favorite album of a legacy artist is the first one we bought with our own money, yeah. or the first one we discovered. You know, mm-hmm. and if, that doesn't if mean it's we not think the it... best. It's no, yes, right. it's not necessarily the best. It's the sentimental favorite, mm-hmm. and that yeah. sometimes means more than all of it. You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's get to our number three, and we'll start with you, Dave. Uh, this one uh, is one that I was aware of and I, but I didn't think of, but absolutely this will wake your butt up in the morning. <laughs> yes, this will definitely. Mo- well, as you'll hear as all of this goes on, my five songs are all on the peppy side of things. 
I normally wake up anytime between 3.45 and 4.45 in the morning. So I need that. On your to- own? Just because? Or you <laughs> no, I have get to up get to up work. work, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So I need that boost to get me going in the morning. So my number three song is from the darkness. I believe in a thing called love. Just if Justin's voice doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. definitely wake you up that's uh it's from the debut album permission to land in 2003 third single from the album came out september 2003 peaked at number two in the uk number 23 on the u.s mainstream rock chart number nine on the u.s alternative airplay chart fantastic guitar solo in this song although i wish the lead guitar was louder in this song i don't know if you if you feel that way but i feel like it could be a little louder in the mix yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there. Yeah. Yeah. But it's you're right. Justin Hawkins' voice will it, it will cut through any sleep that's still yeah. kind of trying to lay claim to your brain in the morning. It's uh it's it's just one of those voices. And he's I mean, he's amazing. It's a great wake up song with with fantastic high energy. And those vocals, like I said, will, will wake you up. John, are you a darkness fan? Yeah. And how great are the darkness? Yeah. And it's interesting. It's when I, I, I'm remembering back to when this song came out and at the time it felt like the band was more of a parody, you know, that they were sort of making fun of hair metal in a way mm-hmm. and sort of smirking or laughing at it. But they have proven over the, they have proven the test of time that they are legit and their songs are just as great and heartfelt as anything that would have come out back in the day that they were originally so-called parodying. You know, and poor Justin with his drug problems, I feel like kind of derailed what could have been a really interesting, promising career. But I feel like they're sort of inching their way back. Mm-hmm. I just I love them. I want the be- I want the best for them because they they rock. They deserve it. You know, yeah, for sure. They yeah. I think he 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 turned a lot of heads at the the, the Taylor Hawkins uh, tribute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep hearing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's a great, uh, number three, Dave, John, we're on your third pick now. Okay. So, um, we're getting slightly peppier than the last one, as I said, mm-hmm. um, I don't know this one. I might, uh, so my third, my third pick is your wildest dreams by the moody blues. Upon a time, once when you were 
And the reason I picked this one is for a few reasons. Number one, I think it's I think it's the most likable song maybe ever. There is I can't think of anyone ever who doesn't like this song. Mm-hmm. There's nothing not to like. It just makes you smile. It makes you happy. And you might it might not be your thing or you may not remember it or think about it very often, but you can't it's undeniably happy and peppy. So I picked it because, I mean, it starts out with that intro that sounds more like a lullaby, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. and then it kind of morphs into a dream. So you've been lulled to sleep and then you have a song that's like the dream, your wildest dream. And yeah, it's more of a dream in the middle of the night song than it is a morning song. But I was just sort of imagining you've heard the lullaby, you've got, you've had a night's worth of sleep and now the sun is starting to rise and you're sort of starting to open up to this peppy, wonderful, likable, you know, welcoming the day kind of mood. Yeah, I could see that. I could see it being a great song for a weekend morning where you don't really have to get out of bed. And so you're good call. Good call. Yeah. Kind of laying there and you're not really ready to get up, but you're not really going yes. back to sleep either kind of thing. So this is a, yeah. this is a yeah. great pick. This is um, from the other side of life album in 1986, their 12th studio album. This is the lead track off the album. And the album's first single came out April 9th, 1986, written by Justin Hayward about his first love as he was reminiscing about, you know, what is this person's life like? And do they do they think about him or think about it the same way that he did, you know, that that time that they shared together? It, it peaked at number nine in the U.S., the band's highest since Nights in White Satin reached number two in 1972. And it was number one on the adult contemporary chart, number two on the mainstream rock chart. Dave, are you a moody blues guy? Did you like this song? I like this song, but I'm not a moody blues guy at all. Like mm-hmm. growing up, I, I mean, hate's a strong word, but I really <laughs> did not like Nights and Wait, Satin, all of the stuff from their heyday. But when this came out, I'm like, wow, this is really good. It made me like want to delve into a little bit more of the band. Like maybe mm-hmm. I overlooked something. Mm-hmm. So no, I do remember when it came out and it's my favorite song by the moody blues sure yeah what i liked about it is that this showed that the band could write in the style of the time because yeah. and, and still yet ma- maintain that moody bluesness about it mm-hmm. um, I, I watched the video earlier and i actually had teared up a little bit it's it's a very really? it's a very um it's it's all nostalgia the the song's yeah. nostalgic and the video is very nostalgic yeah. And and watching a nostalgic video uh, for a nostalgic song brought me back to the heyday of MTV, which made me nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I know <laughs> it's, uh, it makes me I feel that way, too, Mike, when you, just thinking about how much music mattered back mm. then. You know, I was someone posted uh, a clip of the intro to Friday Night Videos yeah. the other day, and I thought, oh, man. I just, I remember all week, you can't wait to stay up late and watch Friday night videos with your friends on a sleepover. And it, it, my house, it didn't start till like 12. And sometimes you would, you wouldn't make it, you fall asleep before it started. And you had to wait all week to watch it again. And uh, my parents were weird. They wouldn't let us have MTV, but we could watch Friday night videos or I could anyway. Mm-hmm. And so that was my only outlet, you know, to videos there for a while was this, oh man. Yeah, it were, never mattered more than it did right then. Yeah, there was a five-year period where if I didn't have to be in class, 
or at a job, I was parked in front of MTV mm-hmm. and, and, and until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, it was I great being young where you didn't need as much sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I live in Chicago. We didn't have cable TV in the city of Chicago till like 87. Wow. So when MTV was coming out and new wave and all of that, there was nowhere to go, but yeah, I, you'd have to stay awake or like hit the VCR to record Friday night videos to <laughs> catch it. something. Cause I couldn't yeah. see it otherwise. Yeah. That's, it. that's yeah. I, and I knew, I knew people that were in that boat that lived in big cities. They didn't have cable TV and they, they did have a, absolutely no idea what I was talking about when I would talk about like, um, a song like let me go by heaven 17 or something. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, what is it? I never heard of that. Yeah. I'm like, well, I saw it on MTV. <laughs> yeah, that's how we did it. Yeah. My number three is a loud in your face song, Iron Maiden's The Trooper. You'll take my life, but I'll take yours too. You fire musket, but I'll run you through. So when you're waiting for the next attack, you better stand, there's no turning back. The fewer sounds, the times begin. From the Peace of Mind album in 1983, their fourth studio album. This was the second single from the album. Came out June 20th, 1983. Written by uh, bassist Steve Harris. Uh, peaked at number 28 on the U.S. Um, mainstream rock chart. Number 12 on the U.K. official company charts. And number 12 in Ireland as well. Certified silver in the U.K. It was inspired by the 1854 poem, The Charge of the Light Brigade by Alfred Lord Tennyson, which itself was written about the Battle of Balaclava during the Crimean War. So obvious, obvious material, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and like, uh, this is one of those songs that it's, it's just high octane. It's a, it's a classic Iron Maiden gallop and uh, Bruce's voice just kind of the music stops and his voice just cuts right through. And this is a great song to pound on the steering wheel on the drive to work. And that's what makes it a great morning song for me. It gets my blood pumping. I love Iron Maiden. I finally got to see this performed live uh, in October. My first time ever seeing uh, Iron Maiden with Bruce wearing the traditional uh, authentic red coat uniform and waving the union Jack and, and just amazing. And a song that, it's maybe it's a little on the nose because of how how um high octane it is and and the 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 whole tempo of the song and and it's just one of those songs that gets me going in the morning and i don't know if you guys are heavy metal guys or not a lot of people that i have on the show are not into heavy metal but i think even a lot of people that aren't heavy metal fans or iron maiden fans like the trooper so i'm eager to get your thoughts john i'll start with you so i have to admit i have been meaning for years 
to deep dive Iron Maiden's whole output, and I, I've yet to do it. Uh, about a year ago, I finally listened to Number of the Beast for the first time, and I loved it. And I know I love everything I've ever heard from Iron Maiden, but for whatever reason, I've just never made that leap. Well, I only just heard this song for the first time maybe a week ago, um, and wow. I loved it. It was on a running playlist that mm -hmm. someone had mentioned to me. And um, I loved it. And so when it showed up on yours, I thought, yeah, this is this is the blood pumping, like just charging into the day. Like I said, I didn't pick too many songs that went that way, but you guys did. And uh, yes, this does that perfectly. And I'm I'm a, I am less of a person because I don't know Iron Maid well made well enough. Mm -hmm. Dave, are you an Iron Maiden guy? No, and I think, you know, what John said is almost identical to me. Like, I knew Run uh, run Through the Hills, mm -hmm. yeah, but I've just never been that big of a Maiden guy. I listened to this when you, you know, gave a list mm -hmm. of, you know, the songs we were all picking. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. That's something, like, mm -hmm. I don't know why I've never, like, dug into their records and, like, played them, but that's something on my to-do list. Although I have seen their 747 taxi throw hair a number of times but <laughs> yeah. that's the closest i could say i've seen iron maiden yeah. yeah i'll bet bruce dickinson has been through your airport quite a few times Probably. yeah yeah and it's one of those things like oh shit where's my phone i need to take a picture of this you know as i'm like walking and it's like gone yeah so yeah it, it that's exactly it this is a this is just a flat out get you moving in the morning with its it's tempo and it's energy and it's power iron maiden the trooper that is my number three so here we are we're down to our last 10 our last but two six songs if i could do math that'd be great i'm not a mathematician dave we're at your number two this is probably like the slowest of my five songs but it builds up as the song goes on from the 2004 hot fuss record all these things that I've done from the killers. listen to the record that wasn't a hit at the time and it's just like god that's just such a good song how it builds up it has that almost like unforgettable fire u2 where it just the song just builds and builds and builds i love that the sweet inspirations were the backing you know vocals to this with the elvis ties just love everything about that song and just listening to that that's just something like 
this is an audio show. You see me like bouncing up in the chair, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. talking about this. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hot Fuss is a classic album. Uh, it is. Which is weird to say since it seems like it wasn't that long ago <laughs> that it came oh, out. No, so true. 2004, so true. Hot Fuss. Uh, third single from the album, released in August of 2004, features that gospel choir, the Sweet Inspirations. Uh, peaked at number 74 on the Hot 100 and number 18 on the UK singles chart. Written about Matt Pinfield's mentoring of soldiers returning from Iraq. And um, Pinfield named his memoir, All the Things That I've Done, My Insane Improbable Rock Life. So there's there's ties there. And there you can really hear it in the uh, the part where he repeats, I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier. Um, what specifically wakes you up about this song? What, what, is, what makes it a morning song specifically for you, Dave? Just the way it builds up. Like... I'm picturing this laying in bed. All right. I got to get up. I got to get up. I can't lay here. You know, do I hit the snooze button? Do I not? And as the song, you know, progresses, it just, the tempo increases and you get to the end and it's just, you know, at last, you know, all these things that I've done and the guitar, everything, you know, it's just a gradual wake up. It's not, like some of the songs that I have on my honorable mention list, just bolt you right out of bed. Mm-hmm. This is just kind of like, all right, I got one more minute. I could lay here for one more minute and then, <laughs> all right, let's go. Yeah. John, I know you, you're probably contractually obligated to be a Killers and Brandon Flowers fan. <laughs> I didn't know you knew that. Yes, I was going to say that. Yes. From the Salt Lake area, right? That's right. Yep. So, uh, yes, I'm a, I'm a Killers fan. I, um, he is kind of our golden boy in a lot of ways because Salt Lake City, Mormon, he's Mormon. He's our guy who's so many Mormons, once they get successful, don't they don't stay Mormon. And um, some of us don't stay Mormon, whether we're successful or not. <laughs> but he is still there and still, you know, leading the charge. And we're he's our grateful golden boy that we just love so much. And we're and I'm so glad that they're popular when they when that album came out i was working at tower records in their corporate offices doing regional marketing and i remember we would have new bands come through and perform in our in our conference room sometimes and they came through one day but they didn't perform Mm -hmm. but they did we did all have pizza and uh i remember this was before i knew brandon was mormon and i remember chatting with him we were debating what the best band who the best band of the 80s was and he voted for New Order, and I was voting for Talk Talk. And um, we were having a fun debate, and I thought something about this guy seems so Mormon to me. And then, sure enough, it turned out he was Mormon. Um, I do like this song. There are many other Killers songs I would probably pick ahead of this one, mm-hmm. but I love the Killers, and they can do no wrong yeah. in most cases. Yeah, I'm. I've been really enjoying their most recent uh, album. It's been mm-hmm. been in heavy rotation since it came out. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, it makes you feel old when uh <laughs> people were born before Hot Fuss came out. Oh vote my now. gosh. I know that record's oh 18 gosh. years old. Wow. <laughs> I have a goal, I have a you know those gold records that mm-hmm. people I have one for Hot Fuss. Oh wow because Excellent. Tower was instrumental in helping it go platinum, and so they awarded all of us with gold records. Oh. And I have one in a big frame and everything like that. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, By the way, cool. if, if if you've if you've not seen the Tower Records documentary, it's fantastic. Uh, um, 
I've seen it a couple times. It's actually really hard for me to watch, to be honest, yeah. for a lot of reasons. I sure. worked there for two years and I ended up getting fired um, because I just didn't, I, they were going out of business anyway, and I wasn't mm -hmm. doing my job well enough. And that was a real turning point in my life mm -hmm. where I got the dream job that I'd always wanted and I failed at it. And uh, so it's really difficult for me to watch that show actually yeah, that's a whole other podcast michael <laughs> that's a whole other thing well i would love i would love i could probably spend hours talking to you just about your experience yeah. there so um but uh yeah so the killers all these things that i've done from hot bus 2004 dave's number two pick we're up to your number two pick john what do you got for us okay so we're getting peppier and peppier and this one this is one of my favorite songs it's born of frustration by james reason I picked this song, well, there's a couple of them. Number one, the song basically starts out as a sunrise. That that the, the introduction of this song sounds like a sun rising, literally, and uh, on a you know, in uh, after a dark night. And Tim Booth, the lead singer, goes into this Tarzan thing, and it's that is my idea of getting my blood pumping in the morning, you know. Yeah. And so it's a song almost about that. It's a song about waking up and honestly waking up to the world being a frustrating place. But the Tarzan's, you know, yelps and everything fill you with some optimism and some joy. I don't know what it is. Um, I used to be more of a runner than I am now, but uh, when I have a running playlist, the songs that really get me moving are not so much the Iron Maiden blood pumping uh, Frank Turner type songs. It's not mm -hmm. so much that it's the ones that kind of inspire me or lift my spirits okay. or <clears throat> I like to feel, I don't know, like I like this real glorious epic feeling of having my heart, you know, bursting out of my chest that's what gets me motivated on a treadmill more than the blood pumping. So I'm weird that way. Most people, it's the other way around. And so this song, there's some commonalities between having to fight to run that extra mile and fight to get up in the morning when you don't want to. Mm -hmm. And this song to me kind of serves both purposes. So that's why I did it because it to me is just the ultimate wake up and take on the day kind of song, you know? Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. I was going to ask you, I'm glad you, you called that a Yelp because I was actually going to ask you, what do you call his vocalizations there? I've had him on the show and I asked him about it and the producer on too. And he does the, you know, like a, like a, whatever Tarzan. Yeah. yeah that's great. The, uh, 
So Born of Frustration came off the Seven album in 1992, which was obviously their fourth studio album named Seven. Of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, James can never do anything normal, right? Oh, um, no. But uh, the second single off the album came out January 20th, 1992, written by Jim Glennie, Larry Gott, and Tim Booth. The lead song on the album, uh, number five on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart, number 13 on the U.K. singles chart. It was used in the soundtrack to the 2011 film One Day starring Anne Hathaway, which I have not seen. I don't know if either of you have seen that movie. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and so you, the, the, you're right. Those, those high-pitched vocals at the beginning over the Andy diagram trumpet is, is very uplifting in a way, but also it, it reminded me of the way that that voice comes in reminded me of Dave's pick for Justin Hawkins of the darkness. Mm-hmm. So interesting. I wouldn't have compared the two, but that's interesting. Yeah. Sort of a similar, um, not really a vibe or tone, but it, it's just the way that the, vo- the voice comes in. And it wakes you up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Dave, are you a, a James fan? I am, and that's a band you always wondered. Like you thought they were going to be huge, mm-hmm. and you know they had that song was great. Laid obviously is probably their best known track, mm-hmm. but that was a band I thought was just going to be the next U two or the next REM, something like that. Then. You know, you just kind yeah. of wonder what happened to him, but it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I had an early iteration of my list. I had one of their songs in there as sort of like a, a lazy weekend morning when it's raining and you want to stay in bed, but you can't fall back asleep. I was thinking of sometimes Lester Piggott for that, for that role. But um, yeah, I, I, see, I got to see them in 93 on, on Peter Gabriel's Womad tour. And wow. And and like you, I thought they were going to be a, the next big alternative band that that hit it big, but um, yeah. Yeah, in this country, they just didn't didn't quite break through that way. No, they're a trip though, man. Yeah. <laughs> they're a trip. Fun. All right, that brings me to my number two, which uh, is by the band Queen. Uh, the song is "Headlong," and this is from the Innuendo album in 1991. Fourteenth studio album, and this was the last one released in Freddie's lifetime. 
Um, it's a difficult listen in some respects uh, for that reason, the album overall, especially a song like the show must go on. But uh, headlong is again, that it gives you that energy, that drive, that beat. It's got Roger and John's um, rhythm section, driving it forward. Um, Brian May's fantastic guitar work. And, and of course, you know, the incomparable Freddie Mercury on vocals. And this went to number three on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Chart, number two on the U.S. Radio uh, and Records AOR track chart, number 14 on the U.K. Singles Chart, written by Brian. Although all of the songs by that point were being credited to the whole band as part of their peacemaking efforts when they when they got back together. Um, and it was originally supposed to go on the, the Back to the Light studio album uh, or solo album for Brian, but it was... Once, once Brian heard Freddie sing it, that was it. It was over. It was going to be a Queen song. So, uh, like I said, energetic track with, um, you know, just that driving beat that kind of gets you going. I, one of the things that makes it a morning song for me, too, is it's not just the tempo, because there's a lot of up-tempo songs. I love the way that at the end of every version of the chorus, they change the end of the chorus slightly. So it kind of keeps you off balance and on your toes. And if you're singing along with it, you know, you've got the nothing you can do about it. And then it goes, nothing, you, nothing, you, nothing you can do about it at all. It just changes every time. And so that's a, a, co- a cool thing that a lot of bands don't do. Yeah. John, your your thoughts on Queen's uh, Headlong? I love it. And it, that's another one that I thought was a really surprising pick. But I get it. You're going headlong into the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm one of the weird ones where Innuendo is sometimes my favorite Queen album. Mm-hmm. It's like top three depending on my mood, you know, great album. It is. I agree. And, um, they're one of those bands that I, (laughs) so I lived in England in 1991 when he died and it was, you know, the whole country stopped basically. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm 18 years old and I'm an American and queen is sort of a thing over here, but not that big of a thing over here. So seeing the reaction of just, you know, the whole country coming to a stop is my, Freddie Mercury? Like, you guys care that deeply about Freddie Mercury? I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody was about to happen, so it was all going to, you know, kind of rev back up. They're an odd one to me because I feel like nowadays they are both, they're in like most people's higher echelon. They're like Beatles, Zeppelin, Queen. I feel like where it used to be Beatles and Stones, it now, the Stones have, their stock has dropped and Queens has risen. Maybe even ACDCs has risen above the Stones mm-hmm. and the Who probably. So I think now the big heaviest hitters in rock history, Beatles, Queen, ACDC, and Zeppelin. And that you wouldn't have seen that happening probably even prior to the Bohemian Rhapsody movie com- coming out. Yeah. But the bandwagon got so huge, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm glad. J- Queen is great. They deserve a lot of mm-hmm. fans. It's just amazing to me to see what a big deal they've become because they weren't that big of a deal when they were around, you yeah. know? Yeah, I know. I know that um, I think Freddie's death made a lot of people go, I've been meaning to check them out. Yeah. And once they did, they realized just how amazing that band was. Very and, true. You know, everybody knew we will rock you and we are the champions. News of the World was my first Queen album as a kid. Um, but there were so many more better songs than those in their catalog. Even on that album, there were so many better songs, uh, yeah. songs like it's late 
or spread your wings or all dead, all dead. I, I would take any of those songs over those two, but um, of yeah, you're right. Uh, Dave, I, I'm sure you're, you're probably a, a queen fan at, at, at least in some degree. Yeah. Not to the extent I'm not like a huge, huge fan. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't familiar with the song until, you know, you listed it. So I had to listen it. It's a great song. I kind of agree with you, John, that like as time has passed, their stature is risen uh, I don't know if I necessarily agree with putting them over the stones or not, but you know, I don't, because I feel like that's where day. their yeah. stock is. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's a I weird mean, one. It's to a me. good song. It's a great band. Uh, yeah. I, I like the song. I don't know if I would have picked it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have picked it cause I didn't really know about it <laughs> until yeah. you brought it up, Michael, but yeah. no, it is a great song. Yeah. All right. That's my number two Queens headlong. Now we're on the number ones, our top songs. And Dave, we're we're back to you. What's your what's your number one morning wake up song? This was the one, even though it's my number one song, that I went back and forth on. It's like I don't know one version of this song was going to be number one, and it was just which version. But my number one song is "Let the Day Begin," and I'm choosing the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club version from two. So weird! It's so weird. <laughs> from 2013's "Specter at the Feast." I love, I love the call. I love the calls version of this. Mm-hmm. I would probably prefer Michael Bean's vocals on this, but I musically, I think the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's m- musical version of this is better. If there was a mashup of the two, I would be all over it. But no, I love this song. This was one like before I did podcasting and I was on Facebook. I would put this every day. Every day when I woke up, this video would go out. Just let the day begin. <laughs> That's great. I was not aware of this version of the song until I got your list. And it made me mad that I didn't pick the calls version of this song. But then I went, <laughs> well, now I can't pick it because of that. But I mean, uh, I went back and I did enjoy it. But it was, uh, I God, I missed everything about the calls version when I was listening to it. I was like, yeah. even little things like the way. Uh, the way that Michael Bean pronounces, um, or you know, his lip, his um, what do you call it? Line read of the the lyric, the mouths of babes. Yeah. The way he belts that out, I just everything about it. I love that song. But this is a, obviously a, a cover of the Calls classic, first single from the album, and it was a free download on their website originally. Michael Bean of the Call was the band's live sound tech, in addition to being the father of bassist Robert Levon Bean. 
Mm-hmm. It was a nice tribute to Michael. Uh, I personally prefer the original. I'm guessing, John, that you prefer the original as well. Yeah, I do. Um, and I'm a big BRMC fan, as we're going to learn more about here in about 30 <laughs> seconds. But uh, yes, I love BRMC. But uh, that the original call, talk, I mean, that talk about that is my idea again of a blood pumping get your day going song is the calls version i respect brmc's version i know why they did it obviously to pay tribute to robert's dad mm-hmm. and uh but i nothing will surpass that original yeah and it's such you know the song i mean it's kind of like uh salt of the earth from the rolling stones it has that same you know vibe to it you know here's to you know yes all of that i just everything about the song from the original to the cover I like, but yeah. I think the, the cover of it musically just puts it over the top for me where that's going to wake me up. I respect you doing things your own way and, and, and going, <laughs> going against the grain. That's, that's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, black rebel motorcycle club, let the day begin from Spectre of the Feast in 2013. And that is not the last time we're hearing from Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. This, to me, was the biggest surprise of doing this. Me too! <laughs> was that multiple songs from this band were in, were, were being discussed. And, John, you're up. Well, uh, yeah. So, for my rocker, which I, like, you know, we've started with a hymn and we're going to end with a rocker. I love one of my favorite songs of all time is called Awake by Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. It's on their debut album. Does it because it to me that song is more about uh, your mind awakening than the day awakening? You know, it's mm-hmm. more about a mental awakeness or you know awakening. Mm-hmm. And but I just I love it, and I thought I want an excuse to talk about this song that I love by a band that not enough people know about. So I'm going to pick it because it kind of fits the theme here. How strange <laughs> that someone else would pick another BRMC song, yeah. especially when the original song is better than the one the guy picked. <laughs> So anyway, I was not expecting double BRMC on here, but that's what we got. And uh, if I love the song. Is it does it have anything to do with waking up in the morning or starting your day? Not really, but it rocks. It raises my spirits. Like I was saying earlier, the songs that that's what gets my blood pumping is something that raises that uplifts me spiritually in a way, and it serves that purpose, even though it's kind of dark and depressing. And uh any excuse to play awake by BRMC, I'm all for it. So that's why I picked it. Okay. I, I have to admit, I have, I've heard of the band. 
I've probably heard a couple of their songs, but I'm not, a, I'm not big into them. I was never really fully exposed to them. So one of my things that I do is I keep a list, a running list of bands that I have to check out more deeply or that I haven't listened to in a while. And I, what I do is I keep a list of 15 bands and I rotate through their catalogs one, you know, band one, their first album, band two, their first, you know, and just, I just, and you get off schedule because of the different people have different numbers of albums out, obviously, but I keep that going. And I, instead of just going album one to the end of their catalog, I need that break. I don't want it to sound samey. You know, I want to, I want to get a, like a, like a, a sorbet, right. You know, <laughs> cleanse the palate. So I'm going to put this on in uh, in that rotation. As soon as a, a slot opens up, I have the 15 bands and then I keep, you know, <laughs> a list of bands that are going into those slots to replace those bands once I get to the end. So aren't we just a bunch of nerds yeah, with like terrible nerds. musical OCD? Listen to us, <laughs> yeah. you know, this yeah. whole thing you're talking, but I imagine you just spend hours of your life working on this list, or maybe it's even a spreadsheet or whatever. That's what music people do. Yeah. Dorky, unnecessary, but passionate little things like that. I will tell you, this is my own personal opinion. I only really like the first four BRMC albums. After that, talk about samey. They get a little samey and a little dreary mm -hmm. to me. There's right. moments, but um, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm glad we got two of their songs on there. That's I love crazy. your song, John. Yeah. You know, maybe we can get them an extra, you know, four cents on Spotify or something. <laughs> get some people to listen to their early records. But yeah, I love yeah. BRMC. Yes. Do you have a favorite, Dave, do you have a favorite album from them? I, I'm like, John, I like the earlier stuff, the later mm -hmm. stuff. Eh, it's there. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, any of the early records, just, you know, put it on. You won't be disappointed. The right. third album is a weird one. It's called Howl, and it's more like a folky bluegrass kind of dark, uh, like devil went down to Jordan. It's not really, but it, you, yeah. you just feel like, um, anyway, it's unlike anything else they've done, but yet it's filled with the same sense of like dark urgency going on in it. And then the fourth album is almost popular in a way. And then after that, it kind of, I lose interest after that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. All right, that brings me to my number one, and this is the song that kind of inspired the topic. This was a song that I was listening to in the shower, and in fact, it wasn't a morning that I first listened to this. This was um, like in one of those evening showers where you get ready to go out. You got to get a shower so you can get ready to go out somewhere. And I had the, I have one of those little Echo Dots from Amazon in the bathroom, and I had them playing some music, and this song came on, and. And I thought to myself, you cannot be, it's just impossible to be in a bad mood while listening to this song. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it the perfect song to listen to first thing in the morning is that you're dreading to go to work on a Monday morning. You're in the car, you're stuck in traffic. This song comes on and you don't care about any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is Electric Light Orchestra's Mr. Blue Sky.
Taking it back to Dave's first out, al- first favorite album, Out of the Blue, 1977, ELO's seventh studio album, the second single from that album, which came out January 78 in the UK. It was the fourth and final part of the Concerto for a Rainy Day suite, which kicks off with Standing in the Rain, another fantastic song. Only went to number 35 on the US Billboard Hot 100, number six in the, on the UK singles chart. One of the crazy quirky things about this song is Bev Bevan's percussion work on a fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always wondered what was that clanging sound that was going on, and and yeah, that's that's what it was. He, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a happy, peppy, feel good way to start the day. Jeff Lynne channels the Beatles, the Kinks, and the Bee Gees all in one song. Uh, lots of twists and turns. It's a mini epic as it concludes this suite, and. It's just uniquely ELO, and it's it's only five minutes long, but it, it feels much bigger. And like I said, you you just can't I can't help but smile when the song is on. Mm-hmm. So I'll go for your thoughts, and John, uh, what do you think? I mean, it's a classic, it, and it uh, everything you're saying makes total sense. It deserves to be on a list like this, and it's got such a heavy second half of. Um, uh, I, I heard the news today, old boy, or, you know, it woke up, got out of bed. Why am I so, day in the life? That's yeah, the name of that song, life. right? <laughs> Suddenly forgetting the name of the song. Uh, it's got <laughs> such a heavy vibe of the second half of, you know, woke up, got out of bed vibe. ELO talk about bands that, you know, America didn't quite understand back in their heyday. Not enough anyway, that who's, I mean, they're not up to queen level, but they're much bigger, much bigger, uh, deal much more respected, much more thought about now than they ever were in the seventies and eighties. You know, mm-hmm. good, which is good. They're a gift. I love yellow. Yeah, uh, Dave, you you already mentioned out of the blue being a, an early favorite for you. Um, your thoughts on the song? No, it's a great song, and yeah, like John was saying, just an, an underappreciated band. They had and like their early stuff. I don't know. And even like up into like his traveling Wilburys and stuff, I think a lot of people just thought Jeff Lynn was just like ripping off the Beatles or mm-hmm. like them too much. Uh, but he's Jeff Lynn and he's like unique. And yes, there's comparisons to the Beatles, but I love their early stuff that uh, New World Record, mm-hmm. that was just the pinnacle of them, hit after hit. I mean, you, their greatest hits record. You're like you. You forget how many great songs they put exactly. out you know, in that era, and it's like, yeah, this is a really good band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. So there we have it. We've we've had all of our top five lists. It's hard to narrow down any list uh, when you're talking about all recorded music uh, from all time, and I'm sure we all have some sort of. Uh, you know, honorable mentions. I'll, I'll mention a couple. I don't know if you guys know these songs, but uh, a couple that were very close on the list. Um, uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers did a song called Hello, New Day. Hello, love. Hello, fear. Hello, loneliness. 
very good song, very good uh, song to, again, hello, new day. You're starting the day. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty literal. And the other one I thought of was another one. It's similar in terms of the, the, the title, but also it's, it's kind of speaks to me of what John's talking about in terms of, of it wakes your mind up. It wakes you up spiritually. It gives you that feeling of, of, you know, something great that is sort of beyond yourself. That is, mm-hmm. that is more important than, than tempo. And that's um, one of the later yes albums, uh, the latter, which I love the latter. And the mm-hmm. song is called, it would be a good day. Those are the, I don't know wow. if you guys know those, but uh, those were two of the I don't know. near miss. I know the first. I think I've heard the first one. I didn't know the yes one. Yeah, John, I know you had a couple that you had on your list <laughs> originally. Do you want me to mention them, or did you want to? Bring I'll them mention up? them real quick. Like I said, when you first assigned the topic, the first ones that came to mind are the first ones I kind of shot to you, and then, um, and then I, as I stewed on them, I kind of swap some things out mm-hmm. the rascals it's a beautiful morning was one of the first things that came to mind just that yeah. just hearing that line it's a beautiful I mean, mm-hmm. it's been in a million commercials. That's that just that saying, that line reading or whatever it was you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. Michael. That is what morning sounds like. But it felt too obvious to put that and uh, morning is broken on there. And so I thought, let's go with one or the other. And so I wanted to give Cat a little bit more love on that one. Mm-hmm. And then the other one I thought of was Wake Up by the Arcade Fire.
that's another one that lifts my spirits on my running playlist. It's up there for just one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, I didn't pick it only because James and BRMC's Awake serve kind of the same purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought if, I, if I'm sticking to this spectrum idea where we start soft and get hard, um, that that sounded a little dirty, but you know what I meant. Uh, anyway, um, then uh, I don't need two harder songs near the end. So I get you. Um, anyway, yeah. So yeah, the thing about Arcade Fire's song, Wake Up, is that if you think you don't haven't heard this song, chances are you have in an ad or a movie or something because it's it's been used in a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was another thing. I figured most people know it. We don't need to let's talk about something more interesting. There you yeah. go. Dave, what do you what do you got for for honorable mentions? I had a couple. Uh I had London Calling, just that Ooh, good one. From that. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah, that will get you going. London calling through the faraway towns. Now war is declared and battle come down. London calling to the underworld. Come out of the cupboard, you boys and girls. London calling, now don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania has bitten the dust. London calling, see we ain't got no swing Except for the rain and the truncheon thing The ice is coming, the sun's zooming in Meltdown expected, the wheat is going in Engines stop running, but I have no fear Cause London is drowning I live by the river To the imitation zone Forget it brother, you can go And then, you know, when you mentioned the list, you know, to do this, Michael, it came, I had these five songs probably within an hour and I'm like, do I go back and forth to her? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the initial five I listed, mm-hmm. but this one, if I would have like changed it, I would have put begin the begin from REM. Oh, good one. Yeah. There, there you go. It's just like, let's begin the day. I'm yes. a huge REM fan. That's probably my favorite record from them. That's so I would have thrown in the beginning yeah. there. Okay. Good one. Those are some good ones. Yeah. I have had a really good time with this discussion with you guys. I think it's, um, I think it's been fun. It's been informative. I've been turned on to a few new songs here. Hopefully 
you know, my listeners, viewers uh, will go on and check out the ones they don't know. And I'll put everything in the in the description so everybody can go look at them. You don't have to memorize anything. I'm not going <laughs> to I don't have any crazy uh, graphics people to, to put up anything cool up there. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll take care of you so you can go look at them. But I want to make sure you guys get also a chance to talk about uh, where people can find you, because I have enjoyed your shows and, and they're a regular part of what I download on uh, on good pods, which I, is my normal thing that I use, but sometimes good pods makes me angry because it mm. doesn't always work properly. And sometimes mm. wants to start podcasts over when I'm like 45 Ooh. minutes through them or something. Ooh. So, so sometimes I switch, but uh, I have a huge list of, of podcasts that I listen to, which is good. Cause I have a, a fairly lengthy commute. So uh, I can get one of Dave's usually in on the way to work. <laughs> and then like half of someone else's, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but yeah, so, uh, I'll start with, cause I let Dave go first a lot uh, on the, on the list. So I'll start with John. The hustle podcast is obviously it's available everywhere. Where can people find you online? Yeah, I, I am most active on the Facebook page. Probably. Um, we are on Twitter. I'm sort of more reactive on Twitter than I am proactive on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So you can follow us on there at the hustle pod, but it's just not my primary medium. Facebook's better. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm trying to kind of, you know, tell this story of modern rock and roll seventies, eighties, nineties, usually legacy artists, anything from the nineties prior. And, uh, I just think it's fun. If you're like me and you're a music lover, I don't care what the subject is. I love almost every rock doc, Mm -hmm. even if it's about a band I don't care about or don't like, I'll still watch their documentary. I'm trying to make oral documentaries for you even if you don't care about the artist let's have a chat with them anyway and see what happens you know and maybe there's some fun stories in there so that's that's what we try to do yeah it's great you never know what way the the conversation is going to go you never know what stories will crop up that's that you didn't even expect and maybe something you didn't even know about and yeah. and that's what i love about doing doing this show is that when i have artists on they're they're constantly surprising me yeah. Yeah. We've had some crossover too. I was listening to your Liberty DeVito episode today and I had him on years ago before his book actually, which is, I don't know, good and bad. I'd almost love to have him back on to talk <laughs> about the book, but he was so great. It's yeah. just fun. Can you believe it, Michael? We're talking to our favorite rock stars. Yeah. It's we're amazing. a bunch of chuckleheads. We're a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> I know. They talk to us. They you know? do. They do. Yeah. What is wrong with them? What Don't they have don't better know. things to do? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> And Dave, I don't drink, but if I start, I'll start listening to (laughs) your podcast too, because why not? Well, you know what? It's funny because like you mentioned, you're more active on Facebook and I'm more active on Twitter. Have you ever, John, talked to any of the members of the Smithereens? Yes. A couple times. Really? They're one of my, they are, if you go to my pinned tweet, it's my top 10 favorite bands of all time. And Smithereens are number nine. No, number eight. I'm sorry. I mean, so I've seen them a million times. I remember like seeing stories on how Jimmy, the guitar player, like mm-hmm. would have to go work a job just to get health insurance. So yes. I definitely have to like, I just wrote down your podcast to go subscribe oh, good. right now and to like start delving into some past episodes, but I'm a huge smithereens fan. Good. Jimmy was on about four or five years ago. It was shortly okay. after, uh, Pat died actually. Yeah. And then I just had Dennis on a month or two ago and we did a deep dive of green thoughts oh, we went track by yeah. track the stories behind it all. We do those fairly often. 
Okay, so, excellent. Anyway, no, I'll definitely yeah. have to check them out. What a what a great band and Pat, yeah. you know, rest in peace, I know. man. I know. They're I met him because I work at O'Hare. So I met him a bunch of times. And it seemed like one summer I ran into Pat like every week because they were flying somewhere. <laughs> and at the time, my wife at the time was ill. She had a, her appendix burst. And like he even remembered the next time I saw him, like a month later, oh. he's like, he were, he doesn't know me. I'm I'm some yeah. schmo from Chicago. He was yeah. like, Oh, hey, how's your wife doing? I'm like, No way. What yeah, what a great guy. You know, rest in peace to Pat Denizio. That's who they are. They're a people's band. They're regular guys, just yeah. like us. And uh and they make great music. And yeah. I love them. My full respect to them. Yeah, um, no, definitely. I'm gonna have to check out your past episodes. That's Good, see, John, do. I got you a new subscriber. Yeah, thanks a lot, Michael. That's what it's all about, man. <laughs> yeah, more more clicks, more downloads. That's Dave, right. beer in front podcast. You you talk about beer, obviously, but you do other things as well. Uh, so I like some of the variety of your show, and and even though you're trying to be nicer and not trying to do that segment at the end that you uh, are known for, um, why don't you tell people a little bit about your show and where they can find you online? You can find me everywhere. I'm not, like I'm more active on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on Instagram and trying to figure out what the hell a TikTok and a Mastodon <laughs> is and all these <laughs> other new things. But primarily, you could reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Beer in Front. I have a website, Beer in Front. You know, wherever you're listening to Michael's show on the podcast, you could find mine. I'm sure you could find John's and all the same spots we have a YouTube channel as well. I just mostly talk about old school beers, some new beers that, you know, I think are good. Also I'll talk about, you know, the city of Chicago. I'm proud of where I live. I love my city. So I'll always sometimes talk about, you know, different artists, like whether it's like visual medium or other things in the city that I want people to know about. Mm -hmm. And you have that, uh, sign behind you that says don't be a jag off that's right you don't have a jag off you have a jag off of the week segment yeah. on your show yeah. where you call out hypocrisy and and yeah. just people being ridiculously stupid yeah i kind of weaned off of that because i was getting a little too political and it's just like you know why throw listeners away if mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. so i put it on there every now and then but i try to stay as not political as, as possible luck. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. And, and you have, you have your best of 2022 coming up. Yeah. That's going to come out next Tuesday. I'm going to do a live stream on Twitter and YouTube where I'm going to have like the best, uh, craft beer, the that's over 21. So it's a craft beer that's been around for at least 21 years and best macro beer. And I'm going to have about eight or nine different guests come on and talk about that. Oh, that'll be cool. And that's December 13th. Yeah, so it'll be uh, next Tuesday or December 13th at 7 p.m. Central. All right. Well, John Lamro from the Hustle Podcast, Dave Zalatoris from the Beer in Front Podcast. This has been a lot of fun for me. I've had a great time. I would love to have you guys back on again in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll pick on another topic and we'll go at it again. Sounds good. Dave, hey, Michael, thanks for having us, man. I appreciate it, brother. Thank you. All right, guys, uh, that'll that'll do it for our our top five morning wake up songs. I hope you guys had a great time. John Lamro, Dave Zalatoris. We're uh, we're done here. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time. All right. Cheers.
Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon at patreon.com slash michaelsrecordcollection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening.